Our first scripture reading this morning is from Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4. Listen now to the word of God. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor in the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Our second reading is Psalm 126. Listen again to the word of God. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy carrying sheaves with him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God remains forever. Amen. Today we continue the season of penitence and preparation known as Advent, where we wait for the coming of Jesus. Over the past two Sundays we have talked about how Advent is not just about the first coming in Bethlehem, but also focuses on the second coming. It is a time for reflection. The songs we sing in Advent are not the peppiest, and not much has been said about the Christmas season. The liturgy throughout Advent is one of expectation. It's like Lent preparing us for Easter. We must first get through Good Friday before we can rejoice on Easter Sunday. The same can be said of Advent leading up to Christmas. During the first two weeks, we touched on the themes of hope and peace. And while we are all ready and anxious to burst out singing joy to the world at the Christmas Eve candlelight service, we are still in a period of anticipating and waiting. Today, however, things are a little different. Today, we get a brief break from the heaviness of the Advent season. Today, that mood of penitence is suspended for a while. On the third Sunday, we celebrate with the theme of joy. It gives us a chance to embrace the gladness of the promise coming we have a chance to preview our joy that we will welcome on Christmas. It points our thoughts towards joy, 
both, pa both past and future. Now, we don't use the term much in our church, but just so you know, today is also called Gaudete Sunday. Now, Gaudete comes from Latin, and it means rejoice. The readings on the third Sunday emphasize this joyous anticipation of the Lord's coming. We have a change in the color of the Advent color candle. Instead of purple, it's pink today, or rose, reflecting this joy and marks for us the halfway point of the Advent season. So today, our focus will be on joy, even though, as was mentioned to the children, we know that in the ebb and flow of our lives, it's not always present based on our current situations. Our scripture readings this morning do speak of joy, but along with that, also of sorrow and restoration. The passage that we read from Isaiah originated either during the exile or shortly afterwards when the effects of the exile were still being felt. Now, if it's been a while since you've studied early Jewish history, you may need some information regarding the exile. You see, the Jewish state was captured by the Babylonians in about 587 BC. Many of the people living in Judah were carried off in exile to Babylon. There they spent many years as captives. During this time of slavery, they couldn't worship their God and the living conditions were harsh. It was a difficult period in their history. It wasn't until about 50 years later that the Persian Cyrus the Great defeated the Babylonians and ended the exile. After years of slavery, the Jewish people were freed and were allowed to go home. <clears throat> the passage speaks of restoration, hope, and a new day for Israel. And our reading from Psalms this morning pays tribute to this time, and it's appropriate in the historical context. It begins by speaking of joy. When the Lord brought back the captive to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. The Lord has done great things for us, and we were filled with joy. What joy they must have felt to be free and granted safe passage to return home. After years of captivity, they were finally restored to the former freedoms that they had lost. When we think of joy, it's sometimes hard for us to focus outside of our personal joy. We celebrate family being together during the holidays, individual victories, births of children and grandchildren, and so forth. But these are limited mostly to our immediate family. The joy in this passage reflects instead community joy. All the people are experiencing it at the same time. The entire community celebrated their deliverance and were filled with joy. That type of joy is seldom seen. The end of World War II might be one of the few events in our nation's history that could compare. Joy for the whole community. But then, in verse 4, the scenery changes. 
the passage immediately jumps in, Restore our fortunes, O Lord. What? It appears that something has happened between verse 3 and verse 4. The reading goes from looking back at a major event and how joyous they were to crying out to the Lord for restoration. Somehow their fortunes had changed. Was there a crisis or some other calamity? The writer does not give any background on what has changed, but it's easy to see that it has. And again, the indication is that it's a community crisis. Restore our fortunes. The indication is, is that all of the people are suffering. Again, it's sometimes hard for us to see beyond our individual crisis. In recent years on the national level, only the events of 9-11 may have had that effect on all Americans. Locally, our recent forest fires could be described as a community crisis. Our church is going through a time of transition as we move forward between ministers. Individually, we may have lost loved ones, experienced illness, or suffered from struggles that no one knows. We all have dark days. And it's sometimes hard to see a future when things will hopefully be better. The mood in just a few verses has gone from joy to a cry for help. But then immediately in verse 5, we hear words of encouragement for times such as these. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. This is saying that although the former joy has been replaced by tears and weeping, future joy is promised. That is our hope. Psalm 126, although brief, captures the essence of the people of God. We are always in a position to not only remember and celebrate past deliverances, but also to pray for renewed and future deliverance. In short, we always live as people of both memory and hope. Normally in December, we have a service of remembrance, usually on a Wednesday night, where we remember those who have, we have lost during the year, how much they meant to us, and pray for comfort, comfort and celebrate the joy they gave us. This year it didn't work out for us to have one, but may we use today to accomplish this instead. Let us remember all who passed this year with sadness, yes, but also with joy and prayer for future joy. Charles Henry Brent was born in Canada in 1862 and he died in Switzerland in 1929. He was the Episcopal Church's first missionary bishop to the Philippines. During World War I, he served as a chaplain for the American forces and completed his career as bishop of Western New York. During his ministry, he wrote a poem that's been said at many funerals. You may have heard it at some you attended. 
It was recently read at a family member's memorial, and it's called The Sailing Ship. It goes like this. What is dying? I am standing on the seashore. A ship sails to the morning breeze and starts for the ocean. She is an object and I stand watching her till at last she fades from the horizon. Someone at my side says, she is gone. Gone where? Gone from sight, that is all. She is just as large in the masts, hulled and spars as she was when I saw her and just as able to bear her load of living freight to its destination. The diminished size and total loss of sight is in me, not in her. And just at the moment when someone at my side says, she is gone, there are others who are watching her coming. And other voices take up a glad shout, here she comes. And that is dying. That is also our hope when we go through challenging times. As a nation, a community, our congregation, and in our individual lives. Tears and weeping may have replaced our former joy, but we hope and we wait for future joy. There is always someone or something on the other side. On this third Sunday of Advent, as we draw closer to the Christmas season, when the sounds of joy to the world will echo through this building, let us cling to that. In Psalm 30, we can take comfort in these words. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen.